Hey everyone, welcome to episode 134 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me as always, Collins Mullen. What's up, Chris? Hey, Collins. And joining us, we have a special surprise guest, Abe Corrigan. Welcome, yeah. Abe. Thank you. Yeah, It's a surprise. It is a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Abe is going to be staying with us in preparation for our regionals. Uh, we are lucky enough to be about 30 minutes away from our local regionals, so Abe is crashing and yeah. going to be joining us for that. It's, it's on spring great. break, just hanging out, you know? Yeah, of magic. course. It's a good time. Just yeah. being 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember spring break. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, today we are mostly going to be talking about that modern prep for regionals. Yeah. Um, particularly wanted to get Abe here because both of you guys have been working on the Underworld Breach deck. True. Um, so we talked about that some last week, but we didn't really know anything about it mm-hmm. at that point. We've gotten some games in, we've gotten some various versions of the deck list, so hopefully... Uh, we can spend a pretty serious amount of time talking about the questions that everybody has about that deck. For yeah. example, is it good? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah. After yeah. many games, I'm less sure. Yes. <laughs> I'm less sure than I was at the beginning, whether or not it's good or not. Right? Yeah, at the beginning, it seemed yeah, like... It seemed great. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I think that my stance is going to be that it was initially overhyped, mm-hmm. but I'm sure we'll get much more into that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, before we get too into it, want to thank our patrons. We really, really appreciate everybody who has supported the podcast and continues to support it. Um, if you would like to lend us some support, get a sweet playmat like the one I've got in front of me or the other merch that we have, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. We would really appreciate your support. If you're not in a position for that, totally fine. If you just like retweet us or review us or whatever, that's also super, super helpful. Do you just want to jump right into it? I don't Let's jump into it. I don't, didn't have a particular keeper mole for us today, but if we just want to like hit the ground running with your breach testing and stuff, I'm game. All right. So my first question listed here is actually, does the deck live up to the hype? And by that, like, if anybody missed it, the genesis of this deck in like current magic culture is Pascal Maynard tweeted out a list with the the description of basically like this is the most broken modern deck i've ever played <laughs> right like yeah. like this this is crazy yeah extremely high praise and twitter clearly bought in because like the price of grinding station skyrocketed and everybody was talking about it you know we certainly bought in as well yeah. uh you know we both played it a lot i think my stance now is that it was certainly overhyped i don't think it's close to the best deck that pascal has ever played um <laughs> But it is strong, and there's certainly something there. Mm-hmm. The issue is that we're, we're still very, very early on in this deck's life. Mm-hmm. So we're not really sure which build is the correct build. There's a lot of different directions that we can take it. Uh, the direction that Pascal proposed initially was a more interactive build of the deck. So right. We started with like three cryptics, three yeah. teferis, several metallic rebukes. Right. Abe ta- cried, uh, tried out a lot more uh of like the heavy cantrip version mm-hmm. cutting a lot of the interaction uh, i don't know if you want to talk a more about that but... yeah i guess just my experience with the deck is i've definitely played it less than you but i have thought about it a lot and i think the main thing that i have to say about the deck is that it's really hard to build and i think that yeah. the core of the deck is like not that many cards it's you know astrolabe breach bobble grinding station is pretty much it and like mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. I would say I would include Amber and Emery is very close to being core. Yeah. But 
there's still a lot of room to maneuver within the deck, uh, whether or not you want to take it more interactive or more combo-oriented or just in different colors or whatever you want to do. And I think it's very open and hard to build. And so I guess I was a little... I've been not underwhelmed, but I do think it hasn't lived up to the hype, especially mm-hmm. the the cantrip version. I think at least having access to the interaction gives you other axes to fight through hate post-board. But I do think there's a lot of room to build the deck. Yeah. And that is like mostly what I think we're going to be looking at yeah. this week and figuring out. Right. And then just kind of like speaking to the overall power level, I think it is a powerful deck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like clearly up there in the conversation with all of the, like the top tier decks right now. I would even call it a top tier deck at the moment. Uh, but it's not... It's not busted by any means. Uh, it's it's definitely beatable. Not yet. It has <laughs> yeah, not yet. I mean, you know, maybe yeah. maybe we figure something out. But it has inconsistency issues. Mm-hmm. There are games where, and this might be due to the fact that we just like don't know the proper like land count or like things like that. But I feel like I've been in, getting like uh, mana screwed kind of frequently and dying that way, or like I just am only interacting and then I never draw the pieces in time and my opponent's able to fight through. So I've definitely been losing a solid number of games just like even though I've been able to like play magic through it all. So it, in in that sense, I don't think it's broken. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about like what makes it strong mm-hmm. and like like what is the draw to it and what has been really powerful and then transition to like why it is not li- like why specifically it's not living up to the hype and like sure. what the problems with it seem to be yeah um so to me it seems like the reasons that it's good are a little bit obvious it's a two card combo if you don't really count the zero which you have yeah. like 10 zeros so it's mm-hmm. so two card combo with really cheap spells one two mana grinding grinding station one two mana underworld breach and a zero mana artifact is game pretty yeah. much um, as long as you have one mana left over to cast the Emery. That's very good. And the fact that you also get to run four engineered explosives in your deck gives you a lot of play with the ways, some of the ways that people try to stop you. Yeah. So, right. So, I mean, the deck is clearly, like, very resilient to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that the reason why people believe it's so powerful is that you get to play this game where you're interacting, generating value with Emery, countering your opponent's spells, and then all of a sudden you just win on the spot. Mm-hmm. And then that win is also like has a lot of resiliency built into it because uh you know if you it doesn't matter like what else you have in play if you have enough mana and you top deck a breach Mm -hmm. and it's late enough in the game the game just ends because like even if your opponent has destroyed your grinding station you can still get it back Mm -hmm. and then there's also a lot of other ways of the deck has built-in resiliency where some of the versions were running hall of heliot's generosity to rebuy your Underworld Breach, which was really powerful. And other versions had uh, Mystic Sanctuary to rebuy... Dance of the Mance. Dance of the Mance, which, you know, if you just dance for X's 2, you can get your Underworld Breach and your Grinding Station. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, if you have one more mana, that's typically a win. And it just plays in your hybrid fair plan post-board when you're boarding in things like Mystical Dispute and Aether Gust, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think just in general, like, you're some of your core cards being Bobble, Astrolabe, and Emery. These are just like some of the most malleable and powerful cantrip type cards in the format. Sure. So that is just super attractive in general. One thing that's been interesting for me to wrap my head around is that throughout my time playing Modern, obviously, there has been Mox Opal legal in the format. And so the connotation of an artifact deck has the con- has that aspect of Mox Opal. So you have this explosivity that now you don't have as much of. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely, when, like, when you say the word artifact deck, that means a very different thing now than it did before. And I think mm-hmm. that can't be understated to how like 
when I'm playing this deck a lot of times, it just feels like, oh, like, I don't really need artifacts in play. Like, right. sure, like, Grinding Station and Emery are Artifact Matters cards, but not in the same way as Mox Opal was, where, like, you could just play the deck with some zero-mana artifacts and, like, a Grinding Station. It doesn't have to be this dedicated artifact deck, which gives you freedom and that you can build the deck in different directions with things like Teferi and uh, Crypto Command, but also makes it just inherently less explosive. Like, there's a reason we were contouring our decks to play Mox Opal. Like, sure. just let you kind of cheat. Right, and... and- for example, like the number of just like expensive colored spells that you can put in your deck is kind of lower now than it was pre-ban. You could yeah. have like a, a bunch of, and Urza makes mana too, so it counts a little mm-hmm. bit less as a big expensive color spell, but you could have several, you know, a bunch of Oko's, Urza's, and Cryptic Commands in one deck because Mox Opal was there yeah. cheating you on mana for most games. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me a little bit of like when the Eldrazi were in Standard and also in Modern, and people kept like playing Thought Not See or Reality Smasher decks in standard, and that always just felt so clunky because you never had Eldrazi Temple. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly it. And I, and I actually think that's the reason why I think Collins and I both agree that we've sort of moved away from Cryptic as a direction to go with the deck. Yeah. Because like when we adopted Cryptic Command into the Urza deck, it was like you had Mystic Sanctuary and then Urza, Opal, Goose, and all these things. So just Cryptic Command is so super powered, whereas in this deck it feels much more f- fair. And also just additionally doesn't play as well into your plan as it did in the mid-ranger as a deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where now it feels like it has to, like, it feels like your fair element has to be the thing that contains itself and transitions you into the fair plan because you don't have that many slots to put your fair card towards. And so the idea was that you have Cryptic plus Mystic Sanctuary where you just make the game about that. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's quite there. I think it's a little too clunky and just doesn't just take over the game in the same way it did in the Urza deck where I just don't think it's a good enough fair plan. Okay. That's how I felt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. The And the Cryptic Command specifically, just because we don't have the mana, like the free mana that we had access to easily, is just much too clunky. I think it's more important to like interact a little bit enough to buy you enough time to set up your combo instead of like having this plan where you can just play this fully interactive game. Yeah, so. for sure. Have you tried versions with Urza in them again? Because there have been some versions that I've seen floating around with Urza, and I wonder how much that changes the way the deck is capable of playing those longer games. I have not, actually. Uh, not recently. I, I, I never played with the Urza Breach deck back when people were trying that, mm-hmm. but I only heard negative things about yeah. that build. I'm in the same boat. I only yeah. heard negative things. I do think that it's worth exploring as a cyborg plan, where I think you do need to, to diversify with your board plans to be able to beat the graveyard hate. Because I think that you can interact with it, like the fairy bouncing it is pretty good and killing them. But I think just the way that sideboards are constructed now is mostly interactive cards. And so I, but I do think that we need more of a fair element. So that might be Psy, that might be Urza, that might be something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, classic way that, you know, KCI, for example, yeah. like juking to, honestly, juking to Psy was the thing that made the deck broken pretty much. Like you could sidestep all the hate and kill them with Thopters. It was very and, good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So finding a solution like that might be... Could be, yeah, what we want, definitely. Mm-hmm. The problem is that I, I just feel like there's so many like pieces in the deck that are only a combo piece. Mm-hmm. Like The good thing with KCI was that when you played Psy, just every single card in your deck triggered Psy. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, we're running, like, you know, Breach and... Dance like, of the Mance. Grinding Station, which is a two-mana artifact, which is much more difficult. Dance sure. of the Mance. Uh, I just felt like a lot of the time the deck kind of clunked out where we're running a lot of overly situational cards Mm -hmm. and especially post board that could bite you Mm -hmm. gotcha and so i guess that i think that sort of leads into the conversation of i think that there are sort of 
three ways you can diversify the deck. I think the first way is you can lean into the combo and you can just try to as resiliently and quickly as possible combo them every game. Mm. I think the second way is you can move into a totally separate fair direction, like with things like Cryptic and Teferi, which don't mm. really play into your combo plan that well. But I mean, Teferi does, but they facilitate in different ways. They protect it and such. And yeah. I think the third way is to try to make your combo pretty resilient and also play into what your combo pieces do. And so that was something I've been talking to you about is specifically the card Shriekhorn is something that I'm interested in exploring with the deck is that if you're playing Shriekhorn, then it sort of all comes together where maybe you can build this graveyard value style deck where now you have Shriekhorn, Grinding Station, Emery, and Underworld Breach all sort of fueling this graveyardy thing. So it fuels your combo, but then you can also figure out something to do out of the graveyard. I was even thinking going so far as playing some sort of dredge package, but I'm not, I mean, I think that's too cute, but... <laughs> sure. And if you go too far, that's a really good way of making yourself very bad against Rest in Peace yes, and, yes, and unable sure. to juke. Right. Yeah. And so I think that it's it's sort of a balancing act and it's just hard to know which direction to build a deck. And I think everyone is sort of defaulted to playing close to the list Pascal made, um, yeah. laid out. But I just, I don't think that that's the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are we going? I agree. And, but I do feel like a lot of people are going to kind of get stuck there and mm-hmm. we will see that build exist for at least a couple of weeks just because... It is so unintuitive on like how to build this deck differently in an abstract sense that um, because this list has gotten enough hype and it is strong, like I would say that as it exists, it's at least a tier 1.5 deck. I mean, unless someone breaks it. Like if someone breaks it, it'll just like be the deck, you know? Yeah, right. No, for sure. And but it does seem impossible that Underworld Beach doesn't get broken at some point in its existence yeah. in Modern. No, like, it, yeah. That just yeah. has to happen. I, yeah. I, I, I agree as well. I mean, brave take just calling a card printed in 2020 broken but <laughs> yeah i mean sure <laughs> yeah but yeah so like a couple of the different ways that we've built the deck so far we kind of went deep on gifts ungiven mm-hmm. um i'm still not giving up you're okay abe's not giving up uh i ran into some problems with gifts ungiven <laughs> so uh, a little bit more context so the like we we cut a lot of the interactive elements and in those slots we put in uh, like it was like three gifts ungiven and the idea with gifts ungiven is that you can gifts for packages that guarantee that you combo next turn yeah. so uh, elements of that package that are important are like you get breach and they just can't give it to you because the rest of the cards go to the graveyard and if you cast breach you just have access to those mm-hmm. um, and then you get your grinding station and then you can get a dance um, which is effectively another breach and then you can either get uh, hall of Helios generosity to get it back but that's kind of slow so the card that we put in was noxious revival Mm -hmm. so if you get noxious breach grinding station dance they have to give you one of noxious dance or grinding or breach. the the worst two are noxious grinding station then you just noxious back your thing and then you have four mana because you gifts and then run time and kill yeah so so right the idea was that similar to the play patterns of modern storm you can just gifts untap kill Mm -hmm. which we thought was really powerful the issue is that in order to run gifts, we felt like we had to have access to casting turn three gifts more often. Mm-hmm. So the card that we put in was Talisman, and Talisman was pretty clunky. It's kind of nice sometimes where you can like turn two Talisman into Emery. Yeah. That's like a pretty good play pattern, but we just felt like the four mana, like similar, similar to how Cryptic Command without... Uh, Mox Opal mm-hmm. felt a lot worse. We just weren't casting gifts on time enough for it to feel very good. How many matches of the gifts version did you play? Like a league? I played a league. Okay. Yeah. And then the other thing that made me pretty concerned about it was the times that I got 
Veil of Summered. Yeah. <laughs> Casting gets That's pretty upsetting. Even. Target <laughs> opponent. Yeah, yeah. Target opponent does a thing, and then they veil, and your gifts gets countered. And, and they draw a card. Yeah, and everybody's running veil. Like, like green is a very, very yeah. popular People color. splashing veil. <laughs> and every green deck is going to have veil. Uh, we were splashing veil in our deck for a mm-hmm. while. So that made me really concerned about how mm-hmm. we just had a lot of vulnerabilities in, in modern right now. But I, I do think that it could make you just a much better game one because you want to be a really good game one deck obviously yeah and it could just be the type of thing where you just might board it out some percent of the time where mm-hmm. in game one it gives you this consistency that you need and additionally like you can get fair gifts packages and like right. grind people out that way mm-hmm. and because it gets countered by veil and because it's relying on the graveyard maybe you just board it out for game two is because people are going to have veils and hate and graveyard hate. so yeah and then maybe you just juke it another way with your sideboard so i yeah. think that it is like a little more complicated than that but it is troublesome that it gets failed of summer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I wasn't thinking about that when we built the deck and I played it and then it happened to me the for the first time and I was yeah. just Well also it was one of the cards we cut for that package to fairy. No, we're we're still running to fairy. We're still running to fairy. I mean that could yeah, be another yeah. thing is like in this version of the deck you could post board have four to fairies and it's a card that interacts with our graveyard to make your gifts better and mm-hmm. makes us they can't value. So yeah. That like fits in your plan. Yeah. And to is just good. I can see that. Teferi it honestly one of the better elements of this deck. Just yeah. kind of in any scenario. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. It's, Even just bouncing your Astrolabe and stuff is like so good. Yeah. Sometimes right. it draws two cards when it comes into play. Sometimes, you know, it just like buys you the time by bouncing yeah. your opponent's thing. Um, and you can always run the uh, Underworld Breach, cast a fairy, bounce my mm-hmm. Underworld Breach, have it ready for next yeah, turn. Yeah. It, it just turns Underworld Breach and five mana into a free cycle that puts a Teferi into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some decks, that's yeah. like really bad. I mean, just both the types of interaction are just. Because it has to be instant speed interaction or hand disruption. Mm-hmm. But instant speed interaction and graveyard hate answer both of those. So yeah, it's very good. Right. Cool. So yeah, Teferi's been Teferi's been excellent. One other minor thing to note about gifts ungiven is that you you do have to construct your deck with a little bit of redundancy to the gifts package because you have Emery that just mills you for four. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're building your deck that way, at least consider that fact. Yes. Yeah. And we were thinking about how we wanted some sort of resiliency, like uh, we were, I think we were playing Hall and Noxious, so mm-hmm. if, like if you mill one of those, then you're, you're not just like shut off of mm-hmm. having a Gifts that can win. Like, yeah. you know, getting the Hall is definitely worse, but yep. it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Sure. For sure. So what kind of unintuitive stuff, are there any like lines that you wouldn't think of? Like, I just want to hear about any like fun, like interesting moments or plays that like you wouldn't think of until you've actually played the deck or ways to approach matchups that you might not realize otherwise yeah so some of the weird stuff that i've run into so far with this deck and we've already talked about some Mm -hmm. like uh the value breach is actually really strong i found um like if you ever have multiple breaches in your hand i've been like pretty happy to like breach for just like like maybe one or two cycles like off of like an astrolabe Mm -hmm. and uh like sometimes in the late game you like you know, you don't have access to all of your combo, but you can breach and then cast like one Mistress Bobble like mm-hmm. three times and mm-hmm. like draw three off of your breach, which is sure. really cool. Yeah. Breached Fairy is great. Some of the weird downsides of this deck is that your only win con is one Thassa's Oracle. Mm-hmm. So if it ever gets exiled, you're <laughs> screwed, <laughs> which is kind of bad. Yeah. Uh, and we kept on like brainstorming ways that we could fix that problem. And it doesn't happen all the like it doesn't happen frequently mm-hmm. at all, but it's always like really concerning where like you draw your one of Thassa's Oracle, 
and it's like such a brick and like maybe you're playing against a thought nut seer deck so you like can't have it in your hand otherwise if they like exile it you're just screwed and you know technically you can like still go off make a bunch of mana and cast a dance in the manse for like a bunch of like four fours or whatever but that <laughs> Let me tell you, is never gonna happen. <laughs> you're like, so you're not gonna have enough cards in deck. You're not gonna have enough cards in graveyard. It just like, if you, it just becomes really difficult. I think we can fiddle stuff. around and with little effort be able to win without an oracle. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think that in game ones it's that relevant. It hasn't come up yeah. for me. Yeah, for um, game one it's it's probably yeah. fine. And then, but yeah. game, I feel like game two, like I really want access well, to something like a side. You should just play side, yeah. Yeah. You just play side, and then you play side, and then make a bunch of top just pass and wins all. Right. And that was always the old KCI backup yeah. kill, too, so... <laughs> yeah, that seems um, fine. Right. So, but that was just, like, one of the weird things that we ran into. Some of the other weird stuff is that, like, Grinding Station acts as, a, like, a strange utility card mm-hmm. a lot of the time. That's one thing I wanted to, yeah. Uh, yeah, you you can just do a ton with it. You yeah. can You can filter the top of your deck by bobbling yourself mm-hmm. and then like milling yeah. with one of your excess artifacts. You can screw up your opponent's scries with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you just like play it and just like want to mill yourself over a bunch because you have something that like can interact with your graveyard positively. Like knowing all of the weird things that you can do. Like do you have any other examples, Abe? Yeah, so I have a couple so a couple of micro interactions with uh grinding station. One thing that I don't think people think about enough is when you play Grinding Station, it triggers itself. Mm-hmm. I think against Grindy decks, more often than people are doing, you're supposed to just immediately sack an artifact with the trigger on the stack to mill three, mm-hmm. especially if you have Dance and uh, Mystic Sanctuary in your deck. So you're supposed to start milling quicker because if they interact with your station, you want to sack it to itself. So you want to get that first mill three off your first artifact before they can kill yeah. it. It also triggers off your opponent's artifacts entering the battlefield. So in the same vein, uh, if you're trying to go for that plan, you can mill yourself in response to them playing an artifact, uh, which has been come up for me. Also, just if you're playing on Moto, what you want to do is you don't want to always yield to it because sometimes you want to do stuff in response to the trigger, but you do want to always yes just to make it faster for clicking because you're triggering grinding station many times. Yeah, you never don't want to untap yeah. it. Yeah, so you never don't want to untap it. Yeah, but point. sometimes you want to respond to it. Yeah, so I would say always yield with caution. Um, <laughs> and True. past that, I don't think there's anything I can think of. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, yeah, it's just one of those decks that has like a million weird, unintuitive mm-hmm. things. Oh, um... Playing on a Tormod script is interesting. So a lot of people have been adopting Tormod script because it's pretty efficient, especially in the mirror because it's an artifact. Uh, we have a couple Tormod scripts in our boards most of the time. So if you're playing on a Tormod script, what you want to do is you want to like just like save. You want to just start comboing with Underworld Breach, but be like try to save a Grinding Station activation because it makes it hard for them to Tormod script you because if they ever Tormod script you in response and then after the Tormod script resolves, you can mill three and mill zero, you still kill them. So you want to like try to go slowly and like keep your grinding station on tap so you have outs or if you can bank a zero in play then they can't do anything right if you have like yeah. a, if you have like two zeros and they just can't do anything because you just start going and whenever they pop it you could just sack their zero after the resolves and okay. kill them. unless you mill the thassa's oracle before you have the mana to cast thassa's oracle <laughs> yes so they, no, that's really relevant um yeah against tormal scripts yeah. yeah right yeah the one shots are typically like the one shot graveyard disruption effects are typically very beatable mm-hmm. the way that i described but yeah, it is always kind of concerning where you're like, man, I really hope I don't hit my Thassa's Oracle. And then there are some other scenarios where you can like combo off early 
but you have exactly enough cards in your graveyard to do it. And then in, in that scenario, if you like hit your thoughts as Oracle early, mm-hmm. then you just like can't afford to exile that. And then yeah. you, you can't combo that turn. Mm-hmm. So if you only have, yeah, if you have exactly enough, like you need to hit cards. Emery's first. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that you can you need go to hit up Emery, cards. You need to hit Emery first before you can. Yeah. That's as Oracle essentially. Yeah. So, but in some spots it's still correct to do that because you're likely to hit Emery first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're playing yeah. four versus one. So. And all it takes is a fetch land in your graveyard to not, really be in that spot so some i don't think it's as clear cut as that okay. but you don't need much yeah is the idea sure yeah. yeah um i don't know exactly what the numbers are for all that but uh. yeah yeah <laughs> it typically works out if you, if you can wait a turn and dump extra cards in your graveyard mm-hmm. and you feel safe to do it like that's often fine sure. but right uh as far as like options for card choices mm-hmm. you listed out the core of the deck but then there's a lot of stuff around it and and you described like the sort of packages but as far as like individual cards go like are there any that have really impressed or any that like are just kind of don't belong in the deck or what um one thing i just this is a little thing but in terms of cantrips i expected thought scour to be better than serum visions but serum visions ended up being a lot better than thought scour because oftentimes it just doesn't matter you're just trying to find one piece Mm -hmm. serum visions was kind of impressive the issue is that you just don't really have enough slots and if you're playing serum visions then you're sort of getting into this one axis type game plan which is mm-hmm. not great chromatic stars overperform for me i really like chromatic star in post board configs where you're boarding a different bunch of different color cards especially if you have veils also what you do with chromatic star is you just play it and immediately sack it to grind station most of the time because sure. it cycles and then you get to mill three and draw card mill three is pretty strong um yeah stars definitely just overperformed and just operated as a good glue card so i have two stars in most of my lists some of the cards that we've been on and off of have been like definitely cryptic command we've been like leaning towards cutting that but it's not gone in all of our builds and then mystic sanctuary as well some of our builds have it some of our builds don't mm-hmm. hall of heliod's generosity some of our builds have it some of them don't mm-hmm. dance i've been really impressed with okay it's just dance is great mm-hmm. uh, even the basics the off-color basics i think are contentious you you've, yeah. you always have them but i i'm not sure yeah i'm also not sure about that and i think it really does depend on whether or not you're running uh, like the Mystic Sanctuaries, like you can do a lot more with your mana base if you end up cutting the Mystic Sanctuary, which yeah. I don't think that we've played around with as much. Uh, like my most recent build that I played with, I did cut the Mystic Sanctuary, but I didn't really like like flush out the mana base to be a normal three color mana base. Mm-hmm. So it was mostly islands still. Yeah, that could have been better. But what are your um, thoughts on uh, Metallic Rebuke? Oh, that card is amazing. Okay, yeah, Metallic Rebuke I think needs to be stock. It's yeah. just it's just one of the better things that you can be doing yeah i just i just love that i think that card is yeah. pretty consistently underrated in these artifact decks and it's always a card people try to trim and in urza i was always playing a bunch of attack reviews yeah. and i really really liked it yeah i i think i'm i'm pretty set on three and just like every build of this okay. guy okay every time i play against an artifact deck on like turn two <laughs> when they pass the turn i'm just like i hope they don't have metallic rebuke yeah, in their hand right now right it's so good yeah i so i played a league with shadow this week and i played against the breach deck and I just got buried by like Metallic Rebuke into Metallic Rebuke into Teferi. And it, it was just over. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, <laughs> I see. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. I've sort of, I've also been toying around with the idea of the deck wanting a draw spell. This is something that my friend uh, Daniel Brody was mentioning is that I think a draw spell would go a long way mm-hmm. to just kind of piecing everything together and making it so. You have a better fair plan, uh, more game against the post-board graveyard hate, but also it helps you find your combo efficiently. So in terms of draw spells, I've been thinking about Thoughtcast. 
Uh, the person here is over here, Max, uh, mentioned reverse engineer, yep. which is something I thought about in the past for Urza, but in Urza it was bad because if you had Urza and reverse engineer, it was like awkward. You have to tap your mana. Mm -hmm. So in the preliminary Urza list, we ended up playing Thoughtcast. We did think about reverse engineer, but in this deck, if you're not playing Urza, then reverse engineer becomes more attractive yeah. as just a draw three, I think would be really good, especially in these post-board configurations. Like if people are mulliganing aggressively their graveyard hate piece and like going down a card, if you just go up three cards and like you're going to figure it out. Yeah. You think Thirster Knowledge is just too expensive? I think Thirster is probably too expensive. I also think being resilient to graveyard hate is good. Yeah. There are a couple like big mana, like heavy draw spells that exist. Like uh, we've seen people with Factor Fiction as an option yeah. and Gifts Ungiven, I think also is like qualifies yep. as, as mm -hmm. a card advantage card. But yeah, the, like the, the more expensive on mana, the, the harder it is. Mm -hmm. And... Factor Fiction gets bailed too, right? Mm. It targets them. No, I don't. Think, I don't believe it targets. It's okay. it's a weird invasion arrow wording. Let okay. me let me check real quick. But sure. yeah, an opponent separates those cards. Yeah, it's weird wording. It does Wild. not get bailed. So a point in Factor Fiction's favor. But... <laughs> yeah, um, points in Factor Fiction's favor truly few and far between. So there aren't a lot. I'll <laughs> take what it can get. You know, <laughs> I I honestly yeah I did play with it a little bit and I brought it in against the grindy matchups uh -huh. and it was great. You know, okay. it's yeah. I mean, it just finds what you need it yeah. to, and Respect. puts the rest in your graveyard. Yeah. If you if you factor fiction and hit a breach, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how they split mm -hmm. the piles. You're just getting five cards. One thing about it, I'm gonna try the dredge version. You try the oh, I'm yes. gonna try the dredge. Sweet. Version. Here's 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 the dredge version, right? Okay, I'm so, ready. <laughs> all right. So you play you you play Shriekorn. So you have you have Shriekorn, Emery, Grinding Station, and then you play Cathartic Green. because Cathartic Green is actually just like okay. You know, you got you got you discard a couple cards, draw a couple cards. You know, all the days works fine. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, I'm buying in for now. And then, yeah, you won't be once your cathartic union gets metallic rebuked. Yeah, but then it's fine. Then we put the dredger there. Yeah. Um, Great. We, okay, okay, so we have dredgers now. We yeah, haven't gotten to that okay, part yet. Okay, dredgers. Yeah. So, so I'm not. Don't talk to me about the mana base yet. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna be playing some dredgers like like stink. I think it's gonna be stinkweed and loam, right? Okay. Beautiful. Right? First of all, Stinkweed, great grindy card. If you ever played against Death Shadow's Dredge, Stinkweed. Just cast Stinkweed. Idiot. Yep. <laughs> Kill it. I'll, I'll, I'll see you next turn, okay? And then you play Life from Loam, and then you play like 21 or 22 lands, and you play two halls, right? And then you mill, so you start dredging, and then you eventually mill your hall, and then you just loam back your hall. Uh -huh. So you just like find your combo. So you're a great grindy deck. We got to figure out where the interaction comes in. You know, this is the slowest deck I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> I mean, we still got this combo kill. It's fun. Uh, we'll fine. Okay. I mean, our plan is to dredge. So we're drawing the cards that are going in our hand are Stinkweed Imp and Life from the Loam. Uh -huh. And then our plan to win yeah. is to Life from the Loam back. Well, I also want to find a way. Hall to... of Heliod. Play Hall of yeah. Heliod. Put our breach on top of our library. Yeah. Don't dredge. And then, and then the no, next turn. But this turn... is the grinding matchups. In the fast matchups, you can just assemble combo and get them. Like you're not, because you're not losing speed, right? Like we, we didn't sacrifice any speed. But we, we sacrificed sacrifice... a lot of consistency. Well, no, I think we gained, I think we gained slow consistency. But we we sat we, like we're not playing Teferi and Cryptic and Rebuke like so you just you're just kind of just go. All right, if you build it and I'll play it. Okay, all right. Okay, sounds like a plan. <laughs> and I'll figure it out. You know, we can play like some smiting helixes or something. Yeah. We'll, we'll kill some stuff. Oh right. yeah, we really want to just throw this mana base into, yeah. the, into the garbage. Yeah, I, I said don't talk to me about that. I, hope, I hope the listeners enjoyed this classic example of a Lotus Box brainstorm session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. This is where the ideas come from. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm in. I want to see this. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to play it, but <laughs> I want to see somebody playing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, just, volunteers I, I think there's something to look at with a graveyard deck. I don't know what we're doing from the graveyard. Okay. But, you right. know, maybe like unbang Hogak or something and then we'll play Hogak Breach. Well, so here, the thing is also like Dredge does seem like too powerful of a mechanic to be limited in modern to putting some 3 threes into play. Yeah. I'm not playing Big Zoo. Get out of here. No so, big zoo. Big zoo. Big zoo sucks. <laughs> I'm pretty down for the idea of using the dredge mechanic in a more broken way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it turns out. <laughs> and I was also thinking you could like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm trying to figure out a way to cut the, the oracles and the ambers because the ambers suck if you only have emery. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The they're they're bad. almost entirely there, so that you can go off when you only have one mana mm-hmm. available right. like that's that's the point of the embers and or, or, yeah i mean or is, yeah it just it makes it much easier to go off yeah. right yep yeah it, it is like definitely part of the turn to kill mm-hmm. yeah so yep so you may be confused if you have been listening to this episode but there are in fact other decks in modern <laughs> that are not underworld breach what uh, so i do want to talk about some of the development that the format has gone through over the past like week week and a half or so mm-hmm. um pretty big deal was the modern showcase showcase challenge yeah um so these happen once a month you they're the things you have to get the 40 qps for now i don't really understand how the moto premier events work anymore but these are the showcases or the challenges this is a showcase it shows up on goldfish as modern challenge but this is the showcase oh, that's not confusing at all yep yeah i mean and it's also these are the wrong records and stuff like they always are but okay but yeah showcases for those uninformed is the new moto premier event it's kind of its own tournament series where they have like occasional showcases on weekends those qualify for like a bigger showcase tournament at the end of a certain time frame yeah and then that showcase event has like big money prizes and i think qualifies for like an mc or something right so this is the monthly tournament that the top eight qualified for Mm -hmm. what is like basically a mox kind of thing or whatever now yeah um so you know people are taking this one seriously Mm -hmm. and good players are playing and they're playing the deck that they think is going to win the tournament right um and for this weekend that deck was eldrazi tron um there were 10 eldrazi tron lists in this top 32 and it kind of just pushed a lot of stuff out this build now is pretty specific like i I think almost all of these decks are very very close they are now they're all once upon a time decks and then the rest you know we've got four karns we've got four chalices and then just the standard eldrazi creatures and terrible sideboard matter reshaper Yes, of course, Mattery Shaper, which <laughs> will never get cut from this deck. The The point of this deck, and I believe the reason that it did so well, is it's good when Karn the Great Creator is good. Yeah. Um, and I am wondering how much of this was beating up on Breach decks that people were hoping to just, like, run into the tournament and crush with, and how much of it is just other good matchups that it's it's preying on. I don't I don't really know, honestly. So I'd... I have played against Eldrazitron quite a bit in leagues recently, and I have never beaten it with Breach. Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult. Karn plus Chalice seems almost yeah. impossible to beat, plus yeah. extra hate in the sideboard. Right. It, yeah, like, you know, some like I'll, I'll get a game here and there, but it they interact enough that you have to play the slow plan, and then any time they cast a Reality Smasher, I'm just dead. So <laughs> it's not, not great. 
I don't know what else we're... I wonder if it's just, like, high level of consistency and Chalice is good against several things. But, you know, we were definitely, like, in an amulet-led metagame not very long ago, and also maybe currently. And the amulet matchup is not good for Eldrazi Tron. Mm -hmm. I just can never say anything nice about Eldrazi Tron. Like, you know... (laughs) I just can't fathom this deck ever. Like, yeah, I just couldn't imagine registering this deck. You well, you get to play one of the broken cards now, which is Once Upon a Time. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, oh! That's oh the... Once Upon a Time for my Mattery Shaper. Like, yeah, what? yeah, you know, Once Upon a Time with your checks notes, one forest. <laughs> oh yeah, we ain't casting these Once Upon a Times. We yeah, I've definitely seen the ex- there's a forest the though. expedition map crack for a forest so that I could cast this Once Upon a Time. That definitely happens. I I've yeah. seen I that. Mean, I I must just be the fool because this deck always does well in Magic Online, but mm-hmm. I never can understand it. it. It's I mean it is better than you think it is. Like I've played a fair amount of Eldrazi Tron, and you're just gonna admit that on stream. Uh yeah, <laughs> I had to come to terms with this too. I have like Collins knows Collins has been here for my various rants. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting Eldrazi next to Tron. maybe the two biggest Eldrazi Tron haters <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> Honestly so. though, once. Once they put Once Upon a Time into the deck, it started making a lot more sense to me, and it plays out a lot more smoothly. That's true. And so Matter Reshaper is an embarrassing magic card in Modern, yep. and it was for a very long time. Once this became a Karn the Great Creator deck, Matter Reshaper actually had a role to play, which is jump blocking for Karn the Great Creator. Broken. <laughs> yes, not broken, but it does make it the best Karn the Great Creator deck that you can possibly build. And now Karn is certainly worse, but if it is still locking out a portion of the metagame, you know, anytime that that Stony Silence effect is good, I think that Eldrazi Tron has a place in the metagame, at least. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think it's a flash in the pan deck, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I think it was played in this event mostly to beat up on all the players trying to play Breach. Mm-hmm. And then all the players trying to play Breach just kind of got destroyed by this and right i mean if we look through this top 32 there they did not it just survive it's yeah. just not there at all impossible to succeed in in yeah. this particular metagame yeah you know the thing that continues to prove itself dominant though is primeval titan strategies yep we've got the the winner of the tournament was a titan deck another couple of, there were only four i believe avocado toast is andrew tendrum Okay, uh, yeah, that sounds right. So, yeah, I, I think I saw him on Twitter talking about mm-hmm. winning the tournament with this deck. And this deck is not... It's, it's not, not amulet. amulet. It's just black-green ramp into Titan. And honestly, all of these decks have... Whether they're black-green or white-green or blue-green, they mm-hmm. all have basically the same main deck, which is just all green cards. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just whatever sideboard cards you want. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe somebody who has played more of these decks, like I probably need to talk to actual Andrew Tendrum or something to convince yeah. me to play a deck like this over well, Amulet. So what, for what I found is that I think that the power level of this deck is significantly lower than Amulet, mm-hmm. and I think that you're worse in the mirror outside of specifically your cranial extraction cards that you have access to in the sideboard, or your Avid Mind Sensors in the green white version. Yeah, whatever your like you know tech is for yeah. the mirror, I think is what you're really leaning on to give you the advantage there. Uh, the the um, two two cranial extraction memora side split. Oh yeah, I mean you know you got to play around meddling mage. <laughs> got to got to play around getting your cranials cranialed. Oh true. Okay, there you go. But the one thing that I have noticed that this deck has over the amulet decks is that it's a little more resilient to 
hate cards. Okay. Um, you have a lot more access to basic forest mm-hmm. because you have like cards that search it up. So Danny you're going to be able to just like get you. Yeah. And, and that was the next thing I was going to say is that you don't care about Danny Spear at all, mm-hmm. which is really nice because the way that I've been constructing most of my decks recently in modern has been like, okay, what's my technology against amulet? Counterspells are not as good as they have been in the past because everybody's running two Cavender Souls. So I just want to be playing Damping Sphere. And then when my Titan tech card is is Damping Sphere and then you're playing a Titan deck that just doesn't care at all about Damping Sphere, you just, like, your matchup becomes much worse against them because you're just not prepared at all. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I guess that means that, like, you're better against in the matchups where Primeval Titan is good against their deck but their hate cards are powerful, mm-hmm. but I, you're probably worse against basically any matchup where their deck lined up reasonably well against Amulet anyways. So, like, if you're playing against Devoted Druid or Heliod combo, like, you don't have explosive draws that you can get them with, and you're just playing a longer game that you're likely to lose. But, yeah. you know, that that's a trade-off you can certainly choose to make. But the, I think the biggest takeaway from all this is that the card... Primeval Titan mm-hmm. right now is real good. It's is pretty good. So good that you just can't mess it up. Like whatever version of Primeval Titan you're playing right now, if if you can search up Valka and or Field of the Dead mm-hmm. uh, and you have Dryad of Elysian Grove in your deck, you're doing probably the most powerful thing in modern. Right. See, this deck doesn't even have a single way. I mean, I guess it, it can't without Amulet. You can't have a single way of giving your Titan haste or anything. So you're like playing... You're not on that plan at all. Right. So yeah, you're playing like pretty fair. Right. Well, fair. But, I mean, Dryad makes Titans very unfair, but... Yeah. You're you're playing Amulet except for the fact that you're always on like the B draw of Amulet. But you're yeah. B drawing with Amulet. always on the B draw. You're always on the B draw of Amulet, but you're B drawing with Amulet with more consistency. Yes. Okay. Like the deck's so consistent at yeah. playing like a turn four Titan. Like yeah. You're, just you just, you're gonna play a turn four Titan pretty much every game. Right. And the side benefit of Damping Sphere doesn't do anything against mm-hmm. you. And yeah. hate yeah. cards are worse. Sure. Right. And you don't win that turn. You have to like it has to give you an unsurmountable advantage. And then you can win next turn, so you're like a little weaker to the combo decks. Mm-hmm. Also, not for nothing, it's much easier than Amulet. Like this oh, is yeah. a deck that I've been suggesting to people who sort of feel a little bit lost in modern, which is reasonable because they banned all the good cards and <laughs> just are looking for a deck for regionals. The thing I normally have been saying is, if you can play Amulet, play Amulet, super super safe. If you can't play Amulet, this deck is pretty, you know, not super hard to pilot and mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You do not get insulated against the main deck hate. So if you do play against like the Ponza deck, that is the Once Upon a Time Magus of the Moon deck. Like game one, Magus still just gets you permanently, and mm. you have to yeah. kill them with a six six. Which, I mean, that that deck can, can lose to a six six, but yeah. probably won't. Right. Yeah. Bizarrely enough, that is also one of the decks. Like I, you know, had to come around an Eldrazi Tron, and now I'm forced to come around at least very slightly on Ponza. That deck is, while it has some things that I'm very not okay with, the Arbor Elf, four Magus of the Moon, four Once Upon a Time deck in a Titan and Tron-based metagame seems like a pretty okay thing yeah. to be doing. Actually, the deck's okay. Yeah. And I think that deck kind of breaks my brain because it's like it's like you really just go full circle in modern. You're like, okay, look, let's get more broken, more broken, more broken, more broken. And then you're just like... Glorybringer. Glorybringer. Glorybringers and Stone Rains is like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, no Stone Rains no anymore. anymore yeah. yeah. But that, fucking, that, that makes me yeah. way, it makes it way more acceptable yeah. to me. But whatever it is, just like the, like now they're playing Young Pyromancer and the God, right? They're playing Season Pyromancer. Season, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, yeah. I I don't. Red Green Monsters is it's like an old is, classic. It's a good. Honestly, it's definitely a good lesson in magic theory. Yeah. Like it's like this deck plays. Sometimes yeah. you just lose. You just play bigger creatures. Yeah. Ahead of curve. How could I how could I lose if my creatures are bigger than yours? What are you yeah. gonna do? Right. Walk? Go well, ahead. When you're when you're building these like drag race decks, which is what a lot of modern is, mm-hmm. like sometimes your mm-hmm. your like engine falls apart because yeah. it's it's operating at the very limits mm-hmm. of what you can do with these cards, and sometimes you just lose to like mm-hmm. tireless tracker glory bringer. Yeah. And and I think it sort of actually weirdly enough speaks to the strength of Urza. But that was a card that I've thought about for just hours and hours and hours and like Five five construct. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you got a two two. What are you gonna get? Yeah, I got yeah. a five five. You're dead. You're dead. Sometimes you die. Kill right. my Urza. That's a great excuse to bounce my Urza yeah. and get another construct. Yeah. Like, kind of along those lines, talking about Urza a little bit. Uh, another deck that we've been talking about mm-hmm. has been an Urza deck, but instead of our old friend Oko, we're playing Uro. Yeah. In this like weird <laughs> mid rangey. Yeah, value deck, and instead of Mox Opal, we're playing a much worse deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Well, yeah, but it, I mean, you know, I think that there is something to be said about mm-hmm. Uro in modern. Agreed. Um, I think it's like playing Sultai colors and Uro and like heavy interaction is also fundamentally very, very strong magic. Yeah, I think I've I've come around to this Urza deck a lot. Mm-hmm. At first, when I first saw the list, I just immediately wrote it off. I'm like, you don't have Mox Opal. What are you doing? Whatever it is, but thinking about it more. And seeing it be played with, I think that it has legs, and I think it can be good. And I actually think it is one of the best late game decks in the format now, because you're, because now that you don't have Mox Opal, you don't have to play as many cheap cards. Like now you, and with Uro, you just are really, really good late game deck. Like mm-hmm. you're really solid with the Cryptic Lock and with Urza and with Uro. Like if you're going to late game, you should be feeling good. Yeah, I, I just, I actually think it's a real deck that we should be exploring. Yeah, I agree. Makes sense. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do think that this week I need to branch out a little bit from Breach. Um, I think that I've played it enough at this point to recognize that we're not going to have it broken by regionals. Sure. Um, I definitely want to continue working on it, but it's it's not just like such a clearly broken strategy that we kind of thought it was initially. And the timing is probably wrong to just catch people off guard. Yeah. It is not hard right. for people to throw some damping spheres or some mm-hmm. stonies or whatever in their yeah. sideboard. Yeah. So, right. So I do want to be exploring some of these other things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of deviation in how to build the deck. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like in terms of your splash plug, uh, the, the Urza deck. There is a deck. Um, I just kind of like, you know, this is just theory. I haven't played any with it, but I I really like black as your your extra color Mm -hmm. just because traditionally I think that what that black has to offer the color pie is the best thing that you can be doing with a card like Uro, where you're trying to trade resources, like thought sees your opponent, like, you know, kill their creatures. And and then after you've like traded off a bunch of resources, you land your Uro, and mm-hmm. then it's just gonna draw you into an insurmountable advantage, mm-hmm. and then win that way. Yeah. So I, I think that that's the direction that I would want to take the deck more than anything yeah. else. I'm actually I'm not I, I agree that's also where I'm at. So I guess I've I've thought a lot of or I've thought definitely today a lot about the different card choices. Okay. So I guess just to run it down. I think I think uh, Aether Spell Bomb is probably an important card. I think that when you're now, especially now that you're going down the more fair controlling route being able to bounce your urza can be really oppressive in a lot of games and the second aether spell was something we adopted late in urza before uh, oko and opal were bans and i think it was really really good piece of tech that was quite strong um another card that i think people are heavily sleeping on is noble hierarch 
Uh, so Noble Hierarch was a card that I considered playing as a one of for the Players Championship and in Urza in general. Like most weekends, I'd be really close to playing one, but I wouldn't pull the trigger. So a lot of times, it was better when you had Oko because you wanted to maximize going turn one dork, turn two Oko because I was like your best draw. But similar things apply with Uro where it just gets you going faster. But now that you don't have Mox Opal, you really want another piece of acceleration when you're playing these clunky cards like Urza and Cryptic Command. So I think that having like two Noble Hierarchs in your main deck is a really good way of doing that. And the way you evaluate it is in the early game, you just evaluate it as a one mana artifact with no text in terms of your Metallic Rebukes and your Emery's. So it still does count as an early artifact where it still is going to like the marks you're trying to hit are you just always want to be able to play turn two Emery, turn two Rebuke, right? Yeah. Um, and so it just helps. It still hits those marks because you can just play like, you know, turn one Noble, turn two Holder Rebuke is like fine. Like that's a fine opening. Uh, yep. And turn three Urza or whatever you have it. So I think that's something people are sleeping on. Well, that turn three years is a little anemic, but... It's not great. <laughs> you yeah. know? I was talking about five fives and one one. Uh, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it's the one one. And I, but I, another thing I will say is that I'm not even 100% sure that, like, amongst the Uro decks that I think are good, that Urza is even, like, the best thing that you could be doing. Like, it mm-hmm. might be true that just, like, a more classic, modern mid-range deck with Uros where you want to be and not all these artifacts. Mm. I don't know like how much of that space you've considered exploring or are you pretty locked in on Urza being the best um, thing you can do? I think I'm relatively locked in on Urza being the best thing you can do because Emery is like, I mean, just Astrolabe is just one of the best cards in modern and mm-hmm. it plays really well into your strategy. Goose is another really good card that plays well with all these cards and Emery just triggers your Uros and is another one of the best cards. Yeah, at having like one of your main cards be a card that mills yeah. you four in your Uro Makes deck feels fun. really nice yeah um, that's fair and, and and also bobbles one of your best cards it also goes in your gear like it just it, it makes fits. sense it just all kind of fits okay. um i could see you being right and there could be some like bant deck or zan and i played a teamer deck on stream and the teamer deck i think was pretty bad we went four one and it sort of illustrated uh why arrow was really good yeah. um just slaps it's very good yeah but i'm pr- I, I i don't know i'm just not really interested in building that deck like if someone wants, if someone figures it out, like someone figures it out, but I guess it's just okay. like not really where I'm putting yeah, my effort. You want to play the broken artifact cards? Yeah. Cool. I'm in. So some, just some like quick hits about some of the decks that have been popping up. Uh, you know, Jund always, there's always one hanging around in a top 16 or a top eight or something like that. The standard, the, the stock list seems to have adopted two Kroxas as pretty much like that's what we're doing now. Um, you never have to cast it. I, I think you ideally discard it to Liliana and then use it as a value thing later, eventually. So, Oh, that was another card that I was thinking about for Breach, randomly, Kroxo, instead of Uro. We got to do some work, you know? <laughs> but but, but the, main criticism All right. of, the main criticism of Uro in the deck was that because it's just another way to draw cards, it just like doesn't really transition you. But Croaks are like making them discard is like kind of good, and you mill it with Grinding Station. Most of their cards don't, I don't know, matter against you I though, know, so they get a the discard is Put not. Put some Croaks in your deck. Croaks is so much worse than a row. <laughs> Croaks, 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 a uh, Okay, all right, okay. All what? Right. <laughs> uh, you build it, I'll play it. All right. That's all right. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about this list for a second. That's Ooh. really hard to see on the screen. Um, some Is this some hardened scales? Actually? Yeah. This deck doesn't have Mox Opal in it. Um, this deck does not have Mox Opal I'm in therefore it. Confused. I will regret to inform you that none of them. Actually, let me, let me pull this up. This is the winning list from the Sunday DTQ at MTG Reno. Uh, this is a green-white hardened scales Heliod deck. And it's 
definitely bad, but I really would like for it to not be. Okay. Um, the, 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 like, quick breakdown of this deck is we are running four collected companies and eight zero zeros to hit with them. Four walking blisters and four hanger backwalkers for just, like, it's nice. Nice. I would rather. How many, how many hits do we have of collected Not company? enough. Okay, wait, wait, let me count. Four Heliod, four Spike Feeder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noble Hierarchs don't really count. We have three, three Metallic, metallic Mimics, Mimic, and four, four Archbound Ravagers. Ravagers. And you cannot hit Metallic Mimic and Hangerback Walker or Walking Ballista. That does not work. If you have a Metallic Mimic in play, you can hit Hangerback Walkers and Walking Ballistas. But, yeah, I don't believe this is actually supposed to be a Collected Company deck. Well, yeah, I mean... This deck is wild. This deck is wild. It I'm in love with won it. Won the PTQ. Matt Seivert, like, well done. I think it does do a good job of enabling Heliod combo, like, surprisingly well with the Metallic Mimics. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Look at this sideboard. Uh, it is beautiful. Yeah. It, you're, okay, so you're running four Veil, four Path, two Damping Sphere, three Grafdigger's Cage. Two force bigger. You got all your bases covered. Yep. Yeah, the sideboard's kind of nice. The sideboard slaps. <laughs> it's so clean. Yeah. So you know, I bet post board, Matt was certainly winning a lot of games. I mean, what I do like about the deck is, in general, I'm a big fan of enabling a combo deck's combo pieces to mm-hmm. be good fair cards. Exactly. And yeah. this deck, while it doesn't, it'll never trigger Heliod as being a creature. Like the giving your stuff lifelink with all your plus one plus one counter just matter stuff is really good mm-hmm. and it all obviously makes your walking ballista a real card with all your uh hard and skill synergy yeah so that is what i like about the deck but it is a little bit all over the place hard and skills into spike feeder is it's not nothing does yeah that, i mean does like, is there if some combo i'm missing there spike feeder what does it say so it's, it's weird ability so right if you're like playing some long grindy game spike feeder has two remove a plus one plus one counter put a plus one plus one counter on a target creature okay. so you get so you just can, you get to is turn it another target creature can you target itself and um, just make it grow no you can target itself oh, so you can just sick. pay two to get a plus one plus one counter hey all right now we're talking yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> no hey now we're talking all this right. is i'm it yeah <laughs> Yeah. The, oh, Spike Feeder Ink Moth Nexus. Activate my Ink Moth. Make it a 3 3. Attack. Love to see it. Here you go. Yeah. There's some good thing. Here. An action, uh, activation Ooh. in there somewhere. Five mana? Perfect. <laughs> it's a good turn. There's something here. I mean, I think we're short a little bit. The collected companies, I mean, they're mostly just there as like tutors to dig you closer to Heliod Spike Feeder combo, yeah. I think. Um, because they are not particularly synergistic with the rest of the deck. Uh, I mean, hitting the Ravager with it is, like, fine, but not particularly impressive. I don't know. Kind of wild, and I do want to, like, probably going to play a League with it, because it, it is spicy. But Excellent. The, it's, I, I can't wait. It's a couple of cards off. Or, you know. It's also pretty hard to evaluate. Yeah. That's that's why I want to play with Maybe it. Maybe it just plays out way better than we think Maybe it does. Maybe it's just the stones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does. it also feels like... We do not have enough artifacts for Arcbound Ravager to be good, but it might just be like Arcbound Ravager is good when you have Hangerback Walker yeah. or when you can do something with Walking Ballista. Yeah. And when you aren't doing those things, like this is basically a combo deck. I can just imagine though that you're like, you're on your Arcbound Ravager, Ravager Scales draw, mm-hmm. and you draw Heliod, Sun's Crown, and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is it. This is what Guild we want. Guild of Goose could be cool in this deck. I can see it. Makes an artifact. Gaining a life triggers your Heliod. What is the artifact he's for? Arcbound Ravager. Okay. 
Yeah. Can make more stuff. Crack it to put a counter with Heliod. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right <laughs> cooking yeah we're yeah we're cooking yeah it's a classic xan uh mana dark split four nobles two bird two uh goose loves that shit true yeah <laughs> just replace the the birds with goose yeah. it's fine yeah yeah um or if you're you... dealing you'll have your one one split yeah you'll play, play jace <laughs> and you play jace yeah yeah we got four <laughs> just... we got four nobles in the day and and two birds and some fetch lands you just put a, I yeah. Don't know, yeah put a breeding pool in there you're off the races <laughs> yeah one breeding pool one hallowed fountain like <laughs> yeah oh man we're all set so yeah i'm gonna try this i'll probably you know regret it but no it, it looks is sweet, sweet it, it does look sweet i gotta give it that other decks i just want to like get your quick takes on like whether or not this is a deck that is reasonable to choose for regionals this okay. weekend mm -hmm. all right um so you know Lightning we talked we talked about amulet uh, broken yeah yeah best deck if yeah. you can play it yeah totally safe choice uh prowess i think it's good mm -hmm. i think it's a mediocre choice i think it's um, i think it's acceptable yeah like if you're red mage uh it's certainly your best option you know i think it's it's fast enough to to compete yeah. uh shadow so any variant like, worse than i thought i played a little mm -hmm. bit with it this week and your matchup against the titan decks is not as good as you think it is and your matchup against breach is not as good as you think it is hmm. i think it depends so. on the meta moves too i think like i think shadow would have a pretty tough time against the uro mm -hmm. deck yeah eh, maybe not actually i mean uro is just pretty good against them. yeah no i right um i tried out shadow because in theory i liked its spot because like i felt like you could tune it against the titan decks mm -hmm. and and you'd beat up on like anybody trying to play breach, but I kind of just lost both of those decks. So really, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. I think I think it's pretty good against breach. I've lost to it. Uh, Teferi is just such a huge problem. Teferi's it just invalidates everything. <laughs> Bouncing Kermag, turn yeah, off your. That's true. Yeah. You also have you have EEs for their stuff. Right. Yeah. Like and the I think the good shadow lists right now are not playing Gurmag Angler, so EE is more it's like as backbreaking as it ever has been so hmm. i wouldn't be i would not be surprised if grixis shadow is the best version of the shadow deck so i don't know it, it often secretly is even yeah, though people are trying out other stuff I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. all right as one thing to note too if you do expect a bunch of eldrazi tron then both prowess and shadow i think are pretty suspect choices just because chalice yeah yep. you know yeah i i think that like even though i talked up prowess a little bit it's definitely tier two mm-hmm Urza decks. I mean, I guess, you know, I put Demir Urza on here just because, like, that was the Goldfish deck. But, mm -hmm. you know, if we're much more excited about, like, an Uro Urza deck, then... Yeah, I'm still not positive that Uro is just better than Demir Urza. And I also think we could look at Sultai. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know. My instinct says that the green version's better just because having acceleration is really important with how clunky these decks are now. Like, mm -hmm. if you're just, you know, if you don't have Opal and you're playing, like, Cryptic Urza, it's, like, pretty tough. Sure. But, I mean, I think they're good choice. I think both are probably good yeah yeah probably fine tier, tier one and a half for me win a lot with demir um one thing to note is that you if you are leaning on bopter sword combo you will catch some splash hate from either eldrazi tron existing or cards that people are using to hate on grinding station with mm -hmm. so it could be a thing to consider but because you're a mid-range deck with that combo kill that's not the biggest deal in the world finally dredge since sodek did win the modern challenge last week with it what do we think about dredge, and dredge? Since, <laughs> since ross miriam just wrote an article telling people to play dredge at regionals yeah i mean dredge if, slaps everything but can't ever beat primeval type <laughs> if your name is sodek mm -hmm. you should play dredge Makes if your sense. name is not sodek I would not recommend playing Big Zoo. <laughs> Big Zoo. I don't know. I mean, Stay in the Mind is pretty good against your bad matchups, uh, from what I found. So, 
There's also just gonna be a lot of splash hate from the KCI deck if or the breach deck. Yeah, people are. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, people are kind of gearing towards the graveyard a little bit right now. Yep. Yeah, I, this was uh, a comedy option. I would not recommend playing Dredge <laughs> okay. this weekend. Great. Oh, let's spend one minute. We we did. We're coming close to our time, but I, I do want to talk about the abandoned restricted announcement announcement that was made oh, true. earlier this week. So the new MO for how we do abandoned restricted. We don't have dates anymore. They could come at any time, but they're going to give us a one week heads up that something is going to get banned. <laughs> um, what do we think about this process? Uh, I don't like it. Yeah. I was, it's interesting because I was actually a fan of it at first. Like mm-hmm. when it got announced, I was kind of like, yeah, like, because I, I, I'm a big fan of bannings as a way to balance formats. And I sort of don't get this idea that cards like deserve to be legal. I think it's sort of arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Like when, they, like when everyone was like, clamoring to unban Stoneforge, I was sort of like, it's probably fine. But like, I don't really care if it's banned. Like it's just, I don't it's know, like, it's, it, it's like it never yeah. got printed. Which it's just is a not... random variable in the format. Yeah. Like it's kind of just whatever. Um, And so I also... I mean, I'm in a privileged position that I borrow all my cards, so I don't really care about the financial side of things. But I do think that should be minor to gameplay because I think that it's worth more than the financial value of the cards over a long period of time. But I'm also fine with the cards getting aggressively banned. So I was fine with it at first, but now that I'm qualified for the Pro Tour Finals, there was like this weird thing of like, I don't know when I'm supposed to start testing Pioneer because like, I don't know what's going to be legal. And so it sort of just felt lame that I yeah. couldn't at least pace myself. So I'm happy that they're having it now so that after this ban announcement, I can start preparing for Pioneer. But I don't like how random it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that I saw on Twitter, I don't remember who tweeted it, but they said that instead of announcing the announcement and then having a week where people, like if they're preparing for tournaments, they can play the tournaments, they should just a week before just say what's going to get banned. Mm-hmm. And then for the next week, that card's legal. Right. And that's fine. It's so, like people playing in those events, like get to prepare for those events the correct way. Yeah. But if you're preparing for the Pro Tour Finals... Like, instead of announcing for a week, because I already know what they're going to ban, I assume. Well, I think the only reason to do it this way is if they don't know that, right? That's, right. like, the only yeah. benefit. Well, I mean, or and it's just unintuitive and unorthodox. Like, it's just right. not what we're used it, to. It feels very... Yeah, it, it like, none of the logic behind why they're doing it really checks out to me. Mm-hmm. It just feels like they're delaying it for mm-hmm. a week for no reason. So now, instead of having, like, one Monday where we're, like like kind of not sure what's going to happen now instead we have two mondays where we're like kind of not sure what's going to happen yeah i guess it's better than like throwing I, I mean i guess it would just be weird if one morning you like woke up and they're like here's a band announcement randomly right like it, it's weird in that way but mm-hmm. i because well and is this I so I, I would actually be more fine with that than with what they're doing right now which is like now randomly you're gonna wake up on a monday and say all right next week there's gonna be a band announcement like it yeah. just doesn't like I think like what what are we gaining from that? Like not much. Like at, like as people who care about ban announcements, like what do we gain about knowing knowing something. a week in advance that some unknown thing is gonna happen? To the we don't format. know what format it is either. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it it feels like a non-announcement. It feels like a it's like all right next week something's gonna happen. So what would your ideal formatting be? I, I think that it was fine the way that it was very briefly up until this specific announcement where it's just like on any given Monday, they can do whatever they want. On any Monday. Okay. I yeah. like that better too. Just sense. like any Monday, they can they can announce a, yeah. an update to their yeah. banner restricted list. Yeah. And then, like, and then like you were saying, maybe it would be even better where it doesn't go into effect for a week mm-hmm. after that. So like 
they they announce it on Monday and it does not affect that weekend's yes. event. Yeah. But then after that weekend, yeah, it goes into effect. I think yeah, that, that would sense. be the ideal scenario right. where, and it, it that is kind of the same as what it is right now, which is but instead of like an in the dark announcement of something's going to happen and we don't know what it is, it's just like. Yeah. This is going to happen starting next week. Yeah, it's just like there's just zero well, way I play any Pioneer this week. Right, so and we could at least go down and play on the kitchen table with proxy to Pioneer decks or whatever, sure. knowing that, you yeah. know, there's no dig through time in the format. I mean, anymore. or just like, or just focus <laughs> tests online. Like, yeah. just challenge each other without yeah. dig through time. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, or, I don't know. Yeah, playing leagues is loose. But... <laughs> <laughs> playing leagues is loose, anyways, yeah. It's true. So, yeah, I, I don't think that the. Just like any Monday, they could have an announcement and then it's banned that weekend. Like, that's really similar to the spot we're in now, and we just wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, I'm choosing not to test Pioneer because yep. it seems like very low EV, yeah. because it seems reasonably likely that Dig Through Time is getting banned in a week. Mm-hmm. So, if we didn't know that and it's just next Monday, mm-hmm. it gets banned, then I might have wasted time mm-hmm. right, testing a bunch of Pioneer yeah. uh, of, of a format that doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, I do like the the announcement of the announcement, but tell us what the announcement is going to be mm. Right, plan. That sounds way better to me. I don't think this is like a huge difference from the way it used to be. It used to be a week before the scheduled ban announcement, we'd be like, I wonder what's getting banned. I don't really want to test Pioneer for the weekend after because maybe they're going to ban Dig Through Time. Yeah. Like, this is kind of the same. It's just now we know that something is going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that is that what we basically agree is going to get banned to dig through time yeah i think dig through time is going to leave pioneer i think I breach is going to leave legacy too okay i mean I don't yeah know, that's I, I can't even speak that to that, that needs to happen more than dig through time needs to leave <laughs> i mean the problem is that nobody cares about Legacy. what do you think about the so oliver tio has been tweeting a lot about how instead of banning something he would just unban the sort of acceptable cards that are banned so he would unban copter and field the dead in pioneer mm-hmm. i mean I think unbanning Copter at this point is fine, although Mono Black kind of skyrockets in in its Mm -hmm. tier. But I'm not sure that Field of the Dead would be a good unban, just because Field of the Dead is a card that really prohibits a a certain archetype from existing at all. Like, the current Sultai deck just would not exist. I think that as a rule, I don't like that methodology, but I think that right now... Inverter is too good, but Inverter makes really good games, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, Inverter is just, like, a, definitely in, like, the top tier of decks I've ever played in terms yeah. of just, like, the way the games played yeah. out are super interactive mm-hmm. and good, and, like, your win is a little too good, and, like, but it's not super Splinter 20. Like, you have to have six mana to do it, and mm-hmm. it's interesting. It, it is too good, and Dig's too good, for sure. Yeah. But, um... I mean, if they get rid of Dig, does it kill the deck, or does it power down the deck to enough that it's, like, brought back to Earth? What do you think? I think it kills the deck. I th- or at least, like, pushes it out of the realm and into a tier that we're no longer interested in mm-hmm. as, like, I, competitive I, I, w- I would be interested in it still. Yeah? yeah? I would just play a bunch of cuts. You'd play a bunch of cuts? Yeah. Murder's Cut. To delve. Not Treasure Cruise? I'd play a bunch of Treasure Cruises. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right, still legal. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably play some Treasure Cruises. But the difference between three off the top and best two of seven is yeah. But the, the, the other difference is that you're not getting targeted. Enormous. Well, like it's it's it is not. It's pretty much impossible to target inverter just because it's a sick mid range deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 
it is being targeted and it wouldn't be targeted and i think yeah. at least for a bit like i think it would be just like a solid fine. next up yeah yeah if i play another narset or something right i mean I mean, that's that's one of the problems too is like that treasure cruise you can't cast if your opponent has a narset in play so that that kind of blows but uh <laughs> yeah Got that discard spells yep yeah well i mean that's the thing with, that's the thing with, with inverter though is like every single plan you construct against inverter it's like dude i have eight discard spells like, <laughs> what are you doing here yeah. i'm gonna be fine yeah. right yeah and i mean that that core of so the, the the deck is just a blue black mid-range control it's so sick deck like i don't know that like losing dig through time and having to play treasure cruise instead like you're certainly going to lose per- a lot of percentage because you're not able to just tutor up whatever the hell you want at any yeah. point in the game. Instead of having treasure, instead of having dig through time in your deck, your deck would not have dig through time in it. Not great. <laughs> not <laughs> not <yeah>. great. <laughs> not <laughs> great. But you're still running a. All of the cards in the deck are really good. They're really good. Like we're not playing bad cards to enable the combo, except kind of Jace. But that card just wins actually, a lot of games I, I think on Jace its own. Is, I think Jace is actually like pretty sick. Yeah, I think yeah. Jace is much better than Inverter and yeah. Oracle. Like Jace plays really well into the deck's plan. Like it's just yeah. so yep. strong. It's just it's just your card advantage planeswalker. And it only costs four mana as as opposed to five. And we were which playing is three Jace for a second? Egregious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I looked I looked at the deck for one second, I was like, we should just play four Jace. It's so yeah. good. Jace is insane. <laughs> yeah. It's like the best card. Yeah. So you know, aside from Dig, obviously. Yeah. So I mean, that would be my hope. Like that would be my ideal result here is mm-hmm. if they ban dig through time and then the deck still exists and is fine yeah. but isn't sure. crushing things. Like, yeah. What? Do, how do you guys think breach will be if that happens? I think breach has already reached a point of it's fine in the format right now. What I think part of it, the fact that it's fine is that once you play Narset and two spheres in your inverter deck, you just mm-hmm. have an actively good matchup. Once yeah. you have like discard mm-hmm. and and dispute spells board. So, I mean, it would definitely have a big target on its head, but it's not a super healthy thing in the format. Like, the decks with not that much card selection would have to play, like, a full clip of Spears. I think it's, yeah, I think it's just, like, it like if they don't ban it, it's just always going to be, like, the dredge of the format, where mm-hmm. it's, like, every once in a while, people are going to stop respecting it, and then it'll crush a tournament. Yeah, And okay. then I think that's, like, I'm fine with that existing. It just, I guess, like, I agree with you that it wouldn't be too oppressive, but just... It feels a little weird because it is just doing way more powerful things than any of like the random aggro decks, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I don't really know how big that the, is. But the random the random aggro decks are completely unplayable right now as it is. Like, right, and but I think that th- that is a fault of inverter. Inverter, right? Yeah. Inverter just beats up on those random aggro decks. Uh, yeah, except for black, and that's why well. black is good. But but black's it, not good. It, does, it, it's it, not it beats up on black too. <laughs> like. Uh, I think black's okay against Inverter. That's like the only aggro deck where I'm like, all right. Black is honestly, I think, the most overrated deck right now in Pioneer. I mean, every deck that is not Inverter is overrated. Okay, fair. I can't yeah. argue with that. But yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, even I caved what do, and played the deck yeah. for what do you, I mean, what do you think about the argument that Soltai will be too good once, uh, once Inverter's banned and they put a fourth Jace in their deck? I could see that happening. Yeah. I've already decided, I've, I've predicted what the future is going to be, which is that Dig Through Time is going to get banned. Everybody's going to switch to Sultai. So I've ordered the cards that I need for Mono White Heliod. And I'm just going to show up to Baltimore with Mono White Heliod. Does Heliod beat Sultai? Is that a thing? Or... Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. It's also yeah. probably good against Agardax. I don't know. I guess I'm talking dudes. Um, <laughs> your, your removal spells actually... Yeah, some uh, do, do first strike. Go ahead. Your removal spells actually remove Uro. Oh, and yeah. even if they abrupt decay it, they do get to draw the card, but mm-hmm. the Uro doesn't stay in play. Sure. Yeah, sure. So. Um, um, and you get a three-three. Yeah, I mean the mono white deck's like pretty strong. It just like gets crushed by Verter, so you can't do anything. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. that's right. that's that's my plan. 
Cool. And if Inverta's still alive, then yeah, that seems pretty we cool, may actually. have to juke pretty hard. I think, I think Mono White becoming a big part of the format would like be a good equalizer to mm-hmm. the Sultai mm-hmm. aggro deck dichotomy of things. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah, Sultai is also a big reason why the aggro decks are not playable right now. True. Yeah. Arrow is just not beatable. Mm-hmm. But that's so that's like fine in the traditional sense of the mid-range deck is supposed to be up on the aggro sure. deck. But yeah. the combo deck is not supposed to be up on the aggro deck. Right, and right, that's right. that's what's happening. Yeah. The combo deck just does everything. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's not a combo side, deck. It's a side, fatal push sausage deck. They're so nice. They're so crisp. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, I think we got through everything we wanted to get through. So, if we want to take just a minute to go through a Patreon question, so Scraw asks, "Does Abe consider himself a gentleman sleuth after uncovering that whole sports psychologist thing?" Hmm. So, can we get a little bit of the story of how you dug into the Will Jonathan saga? Yeah. So. I've been skeptical of Will Jonathan for a long time, <laughs> as Collins knows. I've just always read his articles on Twitter and just been like, really? This guy? And, but also I didn't really care because it wasn't close to me. And like, I didn't think it was like a big thing that it ended up being like, I was just like, whatever. Like, I just don't think this is very useful to me. And so whatever. And then I think our team did a very reasonable thing of he was offering free services. And so like, obviously we're to take those. Like, this is great opportunity for us um so we did that and i had my reservations but i also it was delicate because like if my team is going to buy into this thing that this person wants us to do like these lifestyle changes or whatever then like i don't want to just only like shit on that i don't know if i can curse sorry You're i don't want, i don't want to like only you know put that down but i don't want to just also blindly buy into it and i'm very and i'm definitely a naturally skeptical and cynical person so it was interesting. And so I went into the first meeting where he like talked to our team pretty open-minded, but he sort of just said the same things that I'd been hearing for a long time. After that, a friend and I sort of went in, we were like, we don't believe it. And there were a couple things where like his website wouldn't resolve. Like it wouldn't, like it just didn't lead anywhere and his YouTube channel didn't resolve. have anything. And if you would go to his LinkedIn, like it just said like self-taught. And so we we're kind of like, what is going on here? So we just did a lot of digging and you know, the things that were in the Google doc got uncovered. And I guess like, I very much am careful, like, I'm not trying to, like, brag about it. Like, I'm not trying to do a victory lap, because it's not really about that. It's about, like, I don't know, this thing is wrong, and, like, people shouldn't be buying into this person on the assumption that they have all these uh, qualifications that they don't have. So, um, I'm just trying to speak out on that and, like, not, you know, be like, haha, I got him, like, XD, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, you just wanted to be part of the checks and balances that need to exist in our community. And, like, it's also... You know, it feels conflicting because, like, it does feel good that everyone's like, yeah, like, nice shit. Like, yeah, I got him. You got him. Like, it gets a lot of traction. Like, that feels good. So, like, yeah. I'm also, that's a part of it. it right. Feels... But more is, like, we're a yeah. small enough community that we don't have investigative journalism going on. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody who question, you know, we don't question people yeah. who say, like, if somebody Especially tells if me they... for Channel Fireball. Like... Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Writing for Channel Fireball for a long time. Like, we don't question somebody. If somebody comes up to me in the magic community is like, I went to so-and-so college. I did law school. Like, I'm just going to believe them. Why Honestly, would I not? I think that's one of the more concerning things. Like, Channel Fireball should have looked into that guy. I love Channel Fireball, but, like, they should have looked into that guy. Like, yeah. it's not hard to figure it out. Like, yeah. just, you know, us, like, idiots just, like, figured it out in, like, two seconds. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. You just, like, Google them and you're just like, okay. Like, right. And then what? A little um, bit of vetting would be yeah. pretty nice before really, you know, like espousing his content putting giving him a, a platform yeah. and huge platform it's yeah. gigantic yeah um he has since what deleted his twitter and disappeared entirely yeah he said he's gonna respond and then he just deleted his twitter yeah 
He made it private. I think it's pretty clear what was going on here then. Yeah. It's also just like, honestly, if it was at a distance, I wouldn't have really done it. But it's just like when you come to my friends and you're trying to like be in like our circle, I don't fuck with that. And I will like <laughs> smite you down. So <laughs> don't fuck with Team Lotus Fox. Because at this Pro Tour Finals canister, you better get these hands. <laughs> Sick. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, Abe, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. It's been yeah, a blast. It's a great time. Yeah. Cool. All right, now let's go see if our country is burning. <laughs> yeah, it is Super Tuesday. Okay. I hope yeah. that there's something super about it. Yeah. Um, chat, thank you for hanging out. We really appreciate it. Everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to lend us some support, again, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast or mtggrindcast.com. We got links to our Patreon, all of our old episodes, stuff like that. Uh, if you want to catch some of Collins's videos, you're putting them up on the Lotus Box channel. Yep. Um, YouTube.com slash Team Lotus Box. It used to be every time I walked into the house, Collins would be sitting at his computer playing Magic Online. Now, a certain percentage of the time, he's sitting at his computer editing these videos. So Yeah, yeah there we go. So, yeah. Check him out. Abe, you got anything to plug? Um, yeah. Uh, I'm streaming a lot. I stream Tuesday to Thursday, 7 to 11. This week, I'm probably going to be streaming a lot just because I'm at the Lotus Box house. So, starting tomorrow, I'm probably just going to, you know, just be playing a bunch of uh, the Uro deck and the underworld breach deck cool uh so my twitch is ape the ape and yeah check it out cool uh if you want to find us on social media the podcast twitter is at mtg underscore grindcast i am tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast uh you guys are also on twitter at collins mullen and at corgan ape uh, thank you so much for listening and have a great week peace